Welcome to Just Throw, a disc golf conversation with the Puttheads. Today, we're going to talk about lines. Hello, disc golfers. This is Disc Golf Chris from the DG Puttheads. Welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us. Well, Rodney and I just got back from field work. Uh, we went over to the local, actually, we went over to our local park, and there were too many people playing soccer, and we decided to be the responsible disc golfers and not throw discs while there were kids running through. So went over to the elementary school, and there were more people playing soccer. So we threw along, uh, right along the side, and uh, we spent a good amount of time looking for our discs in a bean field. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Rodney tell me something you learned from our recent field work well I learned a lot about some discs we took out there uh, one of them I'll talk about later uh, it was actually it was a good day to go out uh, a decent amount of wind so we got to throw into the wind and uh, throw with the wind and it's really nice to see how those understable discs shine with and the, the wind. best part about that was the wind kept the mosquitoes away until the end when we got destroyed. Yeah, mosquitoes suck. They bite. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rodney, I think uh, you were just telling me the other day about uh, you were introducing somebody new to disc golf, weren't you? That's right. So, a friend of mine just moved back uh, to Michigan, and he he doesn't know anything about disc golf, but uh, we played high school golf together. We played a lot of golf together. Does he know you're talking about him right now? You know, he's aware of the podcast somehow. I don't know how. He, I don't even know. I, I'm pretty sure it's from our wife's Facebook feeds. I'm sure it's, <laughs> yes, something like that. Um, a little creepy. But uh, yeah, we played high school golf together. And he was asking about disc golf. Um, you know, the first question is exactly what I asked you. Okay, well, does it work like golf except with Frisbees? Uh, and of course, now playing for a while, I know it's, well, they're not Frisbees. Oh, that's a brand. Actually, this disc I have in my hand is actually oh, a Frisbee. Oh, look at that. Frisbee turnover disc. Okay, How putting fitting. that down. Go ahead. How <laughs> fitting. That's really nasty looking. Um, anyway, the interesting thing is we're chatting, and he at least acted interested. I don't know if he really is. And in fact, he did say he wants to come out and, and watch and or throw a few. We'll see where that goes. Be cool. But I was mentioning... At some point, because um, he, he's saying, well, will you just toss them like a Frisbee? And I talked about, okay, there no, there are some discs that help you go right, some that help you go left. Talked about all these different shots, right? The hyzers, the anhyzers, you've got your flex and turnovers and grenades and thumbers and rollers and tomahawks. Oh, and then we go to putting, and we have got your push putts and your spin putts and your turbo putts, and it's insane. So that's a pretty big list for a new person. That's a big list for us normal disc golfers. That's a big list for somebody who's just starting. So what do you tell people? How do you describe these lines? Why do, you, why do they matter to people who are new? So I'll first, I actually didn't use the words Heiser or Anheuser at first because <laughs> those just don't make sense to anyone. Um, I think they're awesome terms because they're... I, if you say Heiser, <laughs> I know what you mean. We know. But uh, no, I I actually, I kind of talk in terms of golf, right? So we hit hooks, we hit fades, we hit slices, we um, will hit, well, runners and bump and runs and all sorts of chips and pitches. It's the same thing. Uh, there's different ways to use the equipment that we have within the confines of the rules to make the lowest score. So we really talked about that. Um I was going to show him some video of, of throwing and, and whatnot, but I didn't want to take it too far at first. Uh, you know, didn't um, want to overwhelm him. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. So I, uh, I think that, uh, I think we're good. He wants to come out and, uh, and whatnot, um, and, and play around. So that's, I think that's a success, maybe. I, I agree. I agree. I've recently gotten some people at my work into disc golf. I think we mentioned that last podcast. We did. Yeah. Any more movement on that? Uh, I've had uh, two more people come up and say they want to learn disc golf. I mean, not, maybe not uh, actually pick up a bag and go out, but they want to you know, throw at lunch. So it's introductions to four or five people at work. That's, it's, that's progress. That is really cool. The, the question I have for you is, uh, do you tell them that you're really dorky and have a blog and a podcast? Only a couple of them. Only a couple. Okay. 
Okay. But it doesn't get any any dorkier than uh, the guy who saw the discs on my desk and came up and immediately started telling me about his Condor and how much he's in love with it. That's fine if you like the Condor. That's great. But it's his love for the Condor, I think, exceeded love for any disc from anyone that I've ever heard. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. So what kind of lines can you hit with that Condor? Honestly, I've only thrown a Condor about once or twice, but the... The most important line for most people throwing a condor is the line through the trees that you can't see. Oh, nice. Right. <laughs> it's the uh, hacking out of jail. So all, all these lines that we've described to, to our hopefully new disc golf friends, uh, it, I'm using golf terms because I'm talking to a golfer. You're using condor terms because you're talking to a condor lover. Um, I'll throw in the hockey terms, you know, line changes hockey in terms. hockey and right. occasionally lacrosse lines. But And then, you know, line. football just started. So we've got the offensive line, line of scrimmage, and uh, we can draw a line on the paper or in the sand. Um, I've got a line on that. This is the weirdest maybe word that you look up. But there's so many uh, just ambiguous ways to use the word line. So I, I think it's an interesting way to talk about disc golf in general. I think it is. And I think it also uh, relates very easily to lines in life and life that we take. So uh, there's, there's a lot of lines that we can take in disc golf that you can actually relate to your lines in life. Uh, for example, we might take the safe path to the basket. Uh, you know, just go to the open area and make our way to the basket, similar to working hard over the long run and uh, trying to slowly build up and make your, you know, earn your way up. Some people like to take the high risk, high reward lines, uh, such as hole number 10, trying to bomb it around the uh, the brush where maybe one out of 10 times it actually makes it around. But right. if you make it around, it's a tap and birdie, similar to instead of necessarily working hard, taking the shortcuts in life. Maybe that's smart. You know, maybe it's going to pay off, but there's, there's a lot of similarities. I know a lot of people that like the big flashy Heiserbaum lines uh, that like to show off, you know, kind of like driving a, you know, real nice car wearing designer apparel of which I have none uh, because <laughs> especially, you know, sunglasses. Oh, I hang on. Mine all hang the time. on. Oh, wait, I take that back. MVP disc sports. <laughs> That's I'm wearing designer a, apparel right there. I'm wearing a designer MVP disc sports bright pink shirt, and it is big and flashy. So big I'm eating my words right now. <laughs> and my my B dynamic dynamic discs. These are bright red. These are uh, major product lines. So I take that back. We do like to be flashy now and then. <laughs> Um, more than likely, most of us are bouncing between lines or somewhat in the middle, uh, in between, uh, in, in the middle of these extremes is usually what happens. But, you know, if you, if you break them out, you can look at different personalities and you can identify different types of lines and, you know, how some personalities fit with different types of lines. But sure. let me ask you this. How do you choose lines in your life? Do you just wing it? Uh, do you just, is your disc golf game inconsistent and you treat every situation in life like an isolated incident? Okay. Maybe disc golf doesn't always line up with life, but you know, maybe it does. Uh, do you, are you the type of person that likes to choose a strategy and hold to that your entire round and most of your life? Uh, you know, we, we talked about this a lot at the, uh, during the last podcast, uh, change where you got to give change a chance if you right. pick a new strategy. You know, you, you, if you have a strategy for picking your lines, you should probably stick to it. Um, or do you uh, evaluate each step along the way? And, you know, so obviously some of them can uh, kind of mix together. Maybe you have a strategy, but then you have to change it up a little bit. Uh, you'd evaluate at each hole. Uh, or do you even do you care what other people think? Uh, I know as much as I like to say I don't care what, what other people think, I care a little bit. Would, do, do you care what other people you, think? You know, I... I think everyone that knows me would, would agree that I really don't care what other people think. Um, <laughs> that's good. That's I, good. I really don't. Um, I, I am interested in their opinion, but I, I generally, I, I'm okay if you don't like what I'm doing. Um, so those are all good examples of uh, kind of choosing your way through a, through a disc golf round, through various pieces of life. Do you have a specific story maybe to tell? Well, yes, I do actually. So let me tell you about a story of choosing lines in my life. So when I was, when I was younger up through college, even, you know, we're, we're not old or anything, you know, thirties, but you know, there was a time where we were actually younger. Uh, and when we were younger, I didn't 
like to choose the lines in my life. I let everything just hang open. And when the lines came to me, I chose which one I wanted. Now, okay, it sounds kind of lazy or sounds, you know, living wild. Well, you know, when you're younger, that might be okay because <laughs> there's so many options available to you when you're, when you're younger. I mean, the world's wide open and people like to give young people a chance. So there were plenty of options. And I mean, I did that on purpose. So I always chose the line with the least amount of work for the greatest return. Um, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Either way, I was big into the work smarter, not harder mantra. Uh, and it was good for a while, but it, there came a point where it actually hindered my development. Um, because I, when I went to college, I got into, um, I got into college just before the, uh, the economy went into the big recession. And I went into business school because, uh, I was basically told when I got out of business school, I'd have plenty of lines open, do whatever I want because the economy was great. So then the economy crashed, uh, you know, 2000, circa 2007. Uh, there was not very many jobs available. I had very few lines um, available in my life. Um, I came out very well-rounded and I had, I worked about three to four part-time jobs for a few years before, uh, before finding a full-time job. Uh, and eventually at some point I realized I needed to start working harder and I couldn't just wait for those opportunities to come to me. Like I couldn't just wait for the lines to open up. I needed to plan a strategy for my lines and, and then go for those lines. And I, I don't want you to think this is a sob, sob story. You certainly don't feel bad for me because I wasn't hard off. I found plenty of part-time jobs and I learned a lot of valuable lessons but I'm telling you this because I learned that I needed to start making my own lines. Now, this might not be the same for everybody. Uh, some people will choose to take whatever lines are open, what's available for their whole life. That's, that's great. Uh, some people will choose uh, to work hard and pick one, life, one line for their entire life. That's great, too. Uh, you know, whatever works for you. But for me, I, had to re I realized I had to keep a couple of lines open, but I had to strategize that. So along those lines... <laughs> oh man i love it uh i i've been reading uh a book i'm sure uh if you're in any sort of business you've been told to read this book stephen r covey the seven habits of highly effective people that's um, habits not hobbits not hobbits that'd be an interesting book too. it would be very interesting <laughs> I, if i had seven hobbits i'd be highly effective <laughs> that'd be an interesting line in life that that certainly would um so he talks about in the beginning, you can be proactive and kind of control what you can control. And that's what you're really talking about. Uh, taking control, um, leaving some lines open, making sure that uh, you, you have the availability to control that. If you only pursued one specific goal and that goal suddenly got a big roadblock, you would have been uh, starting over. So I like that. Um, Similarly to Chris, early in my career, I took kind of just what was given to me. I really didn't pursue new tasks, new opportunities or, or anything. Um, at some point, I kind of realized that the top performers, they're not only pursuing new opportunities, but they're also making their own opportunities by uh, bringing solutions in to, to needs that they're seeing. Um, instead of complaining, they're solving problems those problem solves that they're doing those are opportunities to well you, you have visibility opportunities to just display your ability um and a big opportunity to to learn a it's, big opportunity to it's learn a big open line for you to learn and better yourself open line so <laughs> yeah and really in in reality i'm pretty sure this isn't limited to my line of work <laughs> so at at some point in your professional life you'll need to be proactive that's my is, uh, is that what we'd say the bottom line is that's the bottom line <laughs> oh man uh so yeah that's that's pretty pretty deep stuff you know just talking about lines um but you know it's it's a it's a good way to think about it when you relate the lines in disc golf to the to your lines in life um but I imagine that uh, choosing lines in disc golf isn't nearly as complex as a decision <laughs> as uh, you know as lines you take in, take in life. I mean, I, I would hope not. Um, well, if if you're deeming that choice on the disc golf course uh, 
as difficult as life decisions, you might need to reevaluate how you're playing disc golf. Yes, you'd be completely out of line. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, I agree. Disc golf should be fun. You definitely have strategy, but <laughs> it's getting, hopefully, hopefully, it's, it's the good kind of uh, the the good kind of um, contemplation when you're choosing lines on the disc golf course. Right. All right. So let's let's go a little bit on the lighter <laughs> side here. Um, the, uh, talking about these flight lines that we like to throw uh we've talked about it before S- seasoned disc golfers anybody who's who's played uh you've seen them uh, how do they uh look at lines how do they deal with it what like you mentioned before are they going in with a, a strategy uh, what do you do so I usually identify a strategy before my round. Uh, the strategy, depending on the weather, like the wind and rain, uh, the course conditions, whether it's overgrown uh, or whether it's like wide open in the early spring before the leaves are there. And also the state of my own body, uh, like injuries. Am I feeling good? Am I fatigued? Or am I, you know, am I fully uh, fully energetic? Can I bomb my discs out there and go for the uh, the tight lines? Um, but of course, I reevaluate my strategy uh, throughout the round as my round progresses. Um, I, I like to typically choose my line based on the goals of my round. Uh, sometimes I'll go for a low score. Sometimes we're going out to test. Like like today when we were out throwing discs just to test them, I'll choose the line just because I want to see if I can throw the discs sure. on that line. Sure. You're not, you, we weren't out there to analyze our form. Right? Exactly. We're, we're, I was out there to see, well, what line does this disc throw if I just throw it? Yeah. And it was amazing how much those lines changed going into the wind and away from the wind. It is funny. You know, going way out in that bean field looking for the thrasher. Right. That is funny. So let me ask you this. Um, you were, you were talking about uh, doing this before the round. Is that something you, okay. If you're playing your home course, you know that. What about you've never seen the course? You know, I'm going to uh, revert back to what the goals of the round are. If ah. my goals are to score low, then I'm going to, pick a slightly riskier line probably slightly riskier not not huge risk you know i don't want to i don't want my score to be to suffer but if i'm going for a low score on a new course i might pick a little bit riskier line trying to lower my score if i'm just trying to learn the course i will probably pick some very risky lines and might throw a couple extra discs just to like one down the middle of the fairway and one way around the side go for the i like hyzer. that so that's where i'm at um I I really recommend choosing your line based on your skill. Uh, I can't tell you how many uh, new new disc golfers yeah. I've watched step up there with the maximum speed driver and fire that thing way off into right. the weeds, into and, the woods. So and yeah, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I did that too when I was a new disc golfer. But you know, it's funnier to laugh at other people than it is it, myself. No, yes, I'm kidding. But the whole point here is uh, choosing what. What shot is within your skill? Uh, there's several shots that I don't have. If, it, if we're in a wide open field, I'm good. But if I've got to park <laughs> that through a little uh, hole between the trees, that's not me. So I'm, I'm going to play a different shot. Well, you know, it goes back to the, the goals of the round. If you don't have that shot, I know you well enough to know that you will go for a practice round and try the shot that you don't have. <laughs> You're right. I Exactly. And that's my main thing is if, I'm, if it's a new course... Uh, we're playing a practice round. In fact, if it's a if I've got an event coming up, I'm playing a practice round, even if it's a course I know uh, really well. One one of my strategies comes from golf. Uh, Jack Nicholas uh, mentions this, and in fact, I I wrote a little article on the blog uh, looking at the hole in reverse. So you get to the basket and you look back, and one of your Instagram pictures you just posted recently, Chris. Uh, yeah, that's right. It was a uh, hole four on river's edge at birchfield yeah uh from the t uh you really don't know what you're doing uh you get to the basket and you think wow this is the easiest line ever it's just a baby hyzer right uh <laughs> so it seems when it, you look it, back. so it seems when at you least, look back at least you see the line at that point right so i think i think somebody somebody commented on there saying <laughs> that they can't stand that whole line yes yeah, that hyzer line's there but it's difficult to find <laughs> it, yes it is there yeah but but that is the proper way, I think, you know, looking back at it and taking so, that hyzer. You know, and, okay, on a wooded hole, it's easy to think about, but wide open holes even, um, I play those in reverse. Uh, one of the things to think about, where's the wind? What type of putt 
do you like? Do you like to putt with the wind or against the wind? Personally, I don't I like, like big putts. You like, I, you cannot lie. <laughs> um, think about the wind direction, the uh, any obstacles in the way. You obviously need to get past. So there's several holes at our home course where uh, you could throw the 280 feet to get to the basket. But if you shank one a little bit, you're going to throw 260 and you've got a tree in your way. I prefer to throw it 320 and get it way past. I.e. hole number three where the double pines right before yes. the basket. And you might have a putt underneath the basket. You might have a line that goes Under, underneath under the trees. but raises. Yeah. You might have that grenade line over top or you might have that hyzer line way around. Right. But it's, it's I'd rather difficult. just bomb a drive. And then the advantage there is the putt coming back. You've got the trees as a backboard. So it's it's kind of a you have to think about those things in reverse so Uh, you just mentioned that uh you know we're just talking about number three and how you'd like to throw past it obviously you've played that many many times (laughs) so the question comes up do you play the same course a lot or do you do you play different courses and the reason we ask that is if you're if you're playing the same course over and over again do you get stuck throwing the same lines i mean that's a great question and i know for a fact that I do this, uh, I get stuck. As I mentioned last time, my game's changing all the time. Um, and I do get stuck on that same line. Here's an interesting story. So I'm up north. Uh, I realize up north is a Michigander term, by the <laughs> it way. It really is. Uh, up north means uh, that's where everyone goes on vacation. Well, in if you're Michigan. down south, we're always up north to that. Right, exactly. I mean, if you live anywhere south of Michigan. It, it, exactly. I, well, I, uh, up north, like uh, halfway up the state or further. Yeah, so this it, is Cadillac, Cadillac, Michigan. Right. So it's, it's interesting. In Michigan, uh, Fridays, you'll see the highways going north. Very busy with campers and boats and uh all sorts of fun us 127 yeah so it's it's fun uh so we we go up north per se anyway uh i'm playing kenwood the course we talked about last week my first course ever it's a very technical course i actually paired up with a a local matt uh if you're listening shout out to you give us a holler uh (laughs) thanks for showing me some new lines for instance, and I apologize for those of you who haven't played, but uh, number 11, number 11 is a ridiculous hole. Very, I'll attest to this. This is, in my 14 years playing, this is one of the most difficult <laughs> holes because half of it's luck until, well. It's, it's absurd. Uh, so, for instance, uh, this is how ridiculous it is. Every tee pad on this course is rectangular. You get to this one, and it's square. And that should tell you something. <laughs> but not square with the flat edge pointing out. The The point of the, the point of the square is pointing right down what you would assume to you, be the fairway. You, yeah, you have, you have nothing. So, Which basically tells you, throw to the left or to the right is where you're supposed to aim. <laughs> right. It, it's weird. But uh, the fairway, per se, um, the walking path, the beautiful route, uh, is essentially a... I don't know, what is that, a 100-foot putt from the tee, and you have to basically park it, and then you mm-hmm. get a nice, uh, because it's lateral to the to the hole, you have a nice rope of a line through the trees that you have to throw perfectly straight, about 280. Um, that's, that's not what I want to sign up for. <laughs> uh, the line I see most people taking is... Uh, one of my most hated lines in disc golf, the throw and hope, I call it. <laughs> kind of just rip it and hope the trees are friendly. But uh, so Matt's showing me, after, of course, after I throw, um, he shows me uh, there's, a, there's a line. Here's a tip for you locals. Be friendly to your out-of-town guests. <laughs> throw before them and show them the line. It was, it was <laughs> we fun. all appreciate it. It's, it's fun. <laughs> um, maybe he was just interested because, um, side note from this story, uh, I find as... I get stuck in a rut playing my my local course. It's kind of fun to see someone play our course for the first time because they do choose things and you're like, huh, I I could see that working. Half the time you think, why in the world would you do that? The other half the time you think, why didn't I think of yeah. that? Yeah, so there, that is a side note. But anyway, there's an Anheuser route uh, on this hole that leaves you about 100 foot, but it's, a, it's, it's an easy 100 foot. And this Anheuser route, you don't have to overthrow it's going to take a little bit of practice, but uh, I like it. And I will be trying that next time. Of course, I'll be throwing probably my K2 Berg. So if I do hit a tree, it'll flop it'll and bounce down. flop and drop. And I've been informed that Castaplast does make pink Bergs. Thank you to a couple of people who yes. have uh, pointed that out. So I'll be, uh, I'll be checking out Infinite Discs pretty soon because I, I hear that's where it is. And if anyone takes my pink Berg before I get it. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming for you. So... Another one. I assume you'll be sending it to me. Right. <laughs> uh, another hole. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's uh, 
13? Yes, 12 is the one through the woods. It's a slight anhyzer that I used to throw my wolf on all the time. Yes, and 13 is the one you tee off by the road, sort of. Yeah, um, where people honk at you all the time. They, it, which is, yeah, thanks to those <laughs> folks. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of that. But uh, anyway, 13 is a pretty easy looking hole, but because no disc flies perfectly straight, it's actually a difficult hole. But he shows me a hyzer route, and I've never seen this route before, but if you walk that line... Like Johnny Cash says. Uh, <laughs> Should have seen that coming. <laughs> you, you walk over there. You do see this hyzer route. Uh, I'm not going to say that it's perfect, but uh, it looks like that's the line that you're going to make birdie from more often than the straight and line. It's interesting you bring that up because when you, you see a dead straight shot to the basket, it's tempting. I've actually hit the basket twice, once with a Berg and once with an Atlas. The problem is both times I was firing through it and it was going straight. So the Atlas, I think, bounced off the top and ended up you know 30 right. feet past it, probably 50 feet past it. So you'd never expect to look for the hyzer line, but you talk to a local and there it is, the hidden line off to the right. And it right. makes a lot more sense because you can just drop your hyzer right in there. Exactly. He's seriously pointing in the general direction of every tree. <laughs> it's there. I promise we'll, we'll play it next time. But uh, Just aim for that squirrel. Just aim for the squirrel. It is fun, though, to see those new lines and new ideas. Um, so moving on, I, I haven't played as many courses as Chris, but uh, we, we, do, close. we close. do travel a lot uh, to play, and I enjoy seeing new places. But one thing I've noticed... Uh, I think that uh, a lot of courses really do show you a similar line. And if, if you've got a forehand, and this is my conspiracy theory, if the designer also was more of a forehand <laughs> player, then the course is very friendly to that forehand. I won't lie. If I designed a course, I'd kind of design it secretly to uh, fit my game. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think you're right. In there's a lot of courses that are really like that. And you see the same shots over and over again. And we, I, we mentioned we recently played Flip City. And I think that's one of the reasons that Flip City is rated so highly is because there's all sorts of different shots that it encourages. It, it does. And uh, there's, I think each hole, there's a few potential lines you can throw. And I, yeah. I do enjoy, to me, the more creative you, you've designed it. The, because, and I don't know, kind of, we need an open apology to our left-handed friends because, uh, we, well, every, no, they, they just shouldn't be left-handed. They shouldn't That's be left-handed. Well, every review you read, it's right-hand, backhand. I'm not prejudiced. Rodney's daughter is left-handed. Yes. My, my niece. So <laughs> just, yes. just throwing it out there. Although, we love you lefties, but come on, throw right. So it's easier for us <laughs> to she, design courses. I was going to say she throws with her right. So, <laughs> okay. Um, okay. She's excused. But, uh, think of our, our courses, uh, our home course here we've got devil's den it's wide open uh it really allows you to throw those long high little bit of understable bombs um it does and i can see especially on something like number six where if you're a lefty and you throw that long bomb you're probably going to end up right in the sand pit yeah exactly and uh but contrast that with river's edge and i believe that river's edge is is a pretty long course as well there's a lot of yeah. four and five hundred foot holes there but it's really tight and i rarely ever pull out a driver or even a fairway driver there because i can't control them so i'm throwing a lot of mids and putters and uh yeah it's true i throw my crush a lot but i pick a line very specifically with my crush and it's that right. same line i don't throw my crush very with much uh, discrepancy when i'm playing river's edge because i know those i know a lot of those lines i just want that specific line with the crush right yeah so you really need to go into these well hopefully you've played a practice round you you have to identify uh maybe there's specific lines maybe there's a couple holes i know are perfect for a little bit of an anheuser sidearm i don't have that i can't control it so i essentially end up laying up and then laying up again and then hoping i make a 50 footer for, for taking par. the safe line but sometimes sometimes that's what you got to do sometimes that's what you have to do stay uh, play within your ability uh, and then sometimes you're playing well and your confidence is up and you might try that special <laughs> line that one out of ten uh and whatnot but uh so coming back from field work we we didn't work on anything specific because we were just out there to throw new discs that we've never thrown but normal field work i'm out there to work on a specific line uh, and I, th I think you do that as well. What? Oh yeah. How do you, how do you force yourself in a wide open field to throw an Anheuser that doesn't go too far left and, <laughs> and come back too far right? Honestly, um, so well, 
I haven't been in many wide open fields lately at work. We okay. have uh, at work we have uh, one of those uh, I don't know overflow pits uh, in case there's a lot of water. It all the water instead of accumulating by the building, it drip it falls down. Oh yeah, I'm surprised in. you haven't wanted to turn that into a skating rink. Oh, I'm I'm sure I will. <laughs> well, I haven't been there long enough. Oh, right, in right, the winter, right, right. But I put my basket on one side and I throw over it. Um, we we have a bunch of uh, you know we have a bunch of servers there, so we, they can't get wet. So we have right. this big pit, and I I recently learned it was it's there on purpose, but it makes for a great obstacle, and I just throw hyzers over it, and then sure. I throw in hyzers because there's a lot of air underneath there. So, um, but I guess if I'm in a in a wide open field, I'll uh, I'll actually look at the wind, and I will try to set the basket. Uh, in a specific place so that I can use the wind and then I'll switch back basket positions. And it's hard. I mean, if you're in a wide open field, you just want to fire right at the basket, but you know, it takes, takes maybe a little bit of self-control, pick your line and right. throw your line depending on how the wind is and just keep throwing that same line until you're confident with it and then switch up, throw the Anheuser line. It's yeah. I, I like that. Now, uh, one thing I pointed out, we, we actually today ended up at this, the uh, elementary school that's nearby, uh, throwing through play equipment on the, uh, the <laughs> playground is really actually cool because well, you can, it, when you say we're throwing through, honestly, I don't think we actually made it through. I think the releases <laughs> all went around, but still right, it was, right, it was right. good practice. But the idea is, or the intent there would be to be able to throw through that, uh, to, to hit that line. Yeah. So force yourself. Um, so one thing you can do, and I've done this before, is go out to a, a field with a, a soccer net. And most of the time your disc will make it through the net. I mean, assume that you'll probably hit the net and you won't go very far, but it's a, it's great accuracy. You can stand 100, 200, even 300 feet away if you've got that shot and try to throw it right at the basket. I'm sorry, not the basket, the uh, soccer net. It's going to be a lot larger than a basket, so it's easier to hit, but it still gives you really good practice for, for aiming. That's, that's good control. Yeah. So I like that. Now, we, we've talked about it last week, season change. What about the lines? Uh, I feel like we we go out to Birchfield today, and there's lines that you can't throw that you were throwing six weeks ago. And uh, I know there's there's winter lines there that are almost they it almost feels like cheating. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple. Uh, it's amazing when the trees lose their leaves, uh, and the snow starts falling and everything. Their their trees are pretty airy right you can get through a lot of it so it's almost cheating luckily we're locals there and we play through the winter we play all season long so we know where to look but still especially as the trees grow new lines open up all the time for me i just look for a line and i try it out and i mean we're there enough that i you know if we're going for a, a scoring round i probably have practiced it before but the first thing I'll do is look to the basket and figure out what line do I like to throw the most? What am I most comfortable with? Which is typically a straight shot or a just a slight hyzer. I'll look and see if that line's there. That's how I do it. How yeah. do you do it? How do I do it? I, <laughs> you just not, throw. I just throw, man. Just throw. <laughs> just throw. It's fun. So that's that's enough about throwing lines. What about manufacturer lines? We've, we've got... Uh, this idea and people talk about the advantages of carrying a mixed bag and and i'm not carrying a mixed bag right now and i'm i do see some advantage of that because there's a larger selection right there's different discs different plastics uh you mentioned your berg uh picking something that can just flop in half and uh and has no glide and can go go dead straight right it'd be nice to have uh you know that reliable disc uh if i if i don't go with a mixed bag i don't have really anything for that so uh, but uh, there's also advantages of throw, uh, throwing just one line. So you, you've got familiarity with the plastics. So I, I want to point out real quick, you know, this, this discussion has been going on for many, many years. If it's, if you should stick with one brand or if you should go with the mixed bag, the majority of people that I hear say, go with mixed bag, big advantage. I, I want to point out there are actually some serious advantages to going with just one line of discs. Now don't take it from me because I've always thrown a mixed bag and I always will probably but <laughs> we just for fun and for testing we're actually making uh rodney and i are both uh trying to make a disc uh, a disc line for each manufacturer and have one bag for each manufacturer a disc craft line an innova line a dynamic discs line because not only do you 
get, get to know the discs better, but you learn the advantages of having of throwing just one line, which I'll, I'll right. hand that back to Rodney. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So, yeah, one of my favorite things is when I pick up, right now I'm holding a Discraft disc, so I'm going to talk about Discraft. I pick up this disc. It's Elite Z. I don't even have to look at it. I can tell. <laughs> I can feel it. Uh, I know how this will perform because it's Elite Z. If you give me an ESP, I know how it'll perform compared to its its Elite Z brethren, right? And you know how long it's going to take to break in for the most part. Right. Regardless of what mold it is, obviously some molds will break in a little quicker, but the plastic itself, you have a general idea of how that's going to break in. Right. So th there's that. Uh, you, What advantages does that give you? Perf you? You know how it performs when it's wet, uh, when it's really dry, uh, you know what happens when it's 20 degrees out versus 90 degrees. Um, and if and, you talk uh, about something like so, Lat 64 optoplastic, we're, we're both really big fans of optoplastic, but it's a little bit softer and it will perform differently in different temperatures than Elite Z, very differently. Right. Uh, I, I think really knowing where and when the disc breaks in, uh, that's a huge advantage. Um, and knowing that if I keep throwing this Elite Z disc, I know it's going to eventually break in, but it's going to be a long time. Whereas the ESP Buzz that uh, that you actually got me a few years ago, uh, that seemingly broke in quickly. But you know what's great about the ESP is it it does break in faster than Z, and it it seems to hold right there in that kind of sweet spot. And I yeah, it's one of my favorite discs. Uh, which is not in my current bag because of this trilogy that I'm doing. But uh, so, the, and then uh, think about consistent feel and uh, the idea that uh, the discs probably throw similarly uh, and you, you have less overlap, less chance of overlapping uh, different discs because uh, Discraft isn't going to put out three discs that do almost the same exact thing. And you, that's, that is even more of an advantage if you're throwing all in one type of line from the same manufacturer. For example, Discraft has been recently been coming out with a lot of discs that are um, easy easy distance. Uh, Undertaker, uh, you can get some easy distance off that. Uh, fairway driver, but you can you know just toss it and it just sails. Thrasher, you don't have to put much arm speed into it and it just flies. So a lot of these discs feel the same. Uh, what was the one you were trying uh, what last month or something? It was wasn't that easy to throw line by Lat sixty four was it? Oh yeah, so I actually reviewed the uh, the dynamic discs gavel. Putter, That's right, dynamic discs. And uh, they uh, that line of uh, easy to throw. They do have some others. Uh, in there that I'm thinking about getting because I, I wish I would have started with those easy to throw discs. But yeah, and you know if you throw all of one line like that, there's a good chance they're going to be more consistent, have a more similar feel, at least uh, perform somewhat similarly when you toss them. And I think right. that's a that's a real big advantage if you're sticking with one line for a long time. Yeah, and then uh, I know flight numbers are a very polarizing topic. And <laughs> oh yeah, wherever you stand. Uh, at least within a given brand, those flight numbers have some consistency. They're trying to help you, the purchaser, uh, want to purchase their product. So um, if, uh, if Dynamic Discs comes out with a brand new disc today and they have certain flight numbers on it, I can compare it to the discs I've already thrown from them to understand maybe how that would throw for me. Um, I still Very recommend true. throwing every disc because they... It just because the, the it's a minus one and a plus two, uh, <laughs> it doesn't doesn't always fall into that. Plus your arm speed's different and everything else. And then you have the stranger rating systems like Vibram. What do they go up to eighteen or something? Yeah, something <laughs> different. Which you compare to other lines, don't make any sense. But if it's all Vibram, it makes sense. And that's the key is, and even if they do have the same rating system, those are. Uh, there's no consistent and there's no governing body of uh, of these flight numbers, right? So we are now the governing body. When you come out with new discs, it is required that you run the flight the, <laughs> the flight rating by us. Wouldn't that be great? That'd be fun. Yeah, that so, would be fun. So speaking of new discs, new products, uh, we've mentioned this Thrasher a few times, and I, we were both just throwing this less than an hour ago. And let me tell For you, for you hockey fans out there, it has nothing to do with the team. Yeah. It's not from Atlanta. And that may or may not be uh, good this news. This will be too. around longer than the team. 
Oh, man. <laughs> wow. Uh, so the Thrasher, Chris called it easy distance. D- this has a point four on it. So in Discraft terms, I know that uh, they're saying this is going to finish a little right of center. But the key to remember is this is a, a high-speed driver that comes out fast. Um, I actually I didn't expect to like this disc as much as I ended up. I didn't um, either. The, the, in a tailwind, uh, this thing just flat out flies. Which, it does. Uh, which every disc should flat out fly. But Yeah, I mean, regardless of the wind, this thing flat out flies. It's got speed. Yes. But in the tailwind, man, the, that thing the will... The tailwind... You I, were throwing some uh, some laser. You were throwing some laces yeah. right down uh, right down the, uh, I don't know what, the, the field that was... Yeah, <laughs> the I, don't, I don't know what that was, <laughs> playground field. But uh, honestly, I wasn't putting a lot of extra power into this it uh i think i hit 400 several times which i don't yeah i don't do that very often and uh so being that it's a little understable and uh whatnot i i know that i'm i'm i throw on that 30 degree hyzer uh i try to all the time so that that means the understable discs actually are a little pleasing to me but with this i'm i even was dropping it a little lower and throwing it a little higher and a little out to the left and honestly this was just fun to watch in the air it was working pretty nice you almost sunk one from about 350 out that was right, right into our uh, into our portable basket that was pretty funny now it, i i think it didn't go in because that's an end of a basket and this is a discraft <laughs> disc i agree so so for me i typically don't throw at 30 degrees i throw a little bit higher than that so understable discs don't typically perform as well for me but i forced myself to drop the thrasher down probably to you know maybe 45 degrees or even below um so the it was about two weeks ago i think maybe a week ago when we first got these in uh, i took one out to the course and i just bombed it a couple of times uh, with a tailwind and a crosswind, and it just sailed. But I had, I made sure I was throwing it down much further, so, you know, 45, 50 degree angle, way down low. And I wasn't putting a ton into it, but it was sailing. Now, today we went out to the field and I had a lot of trouble because I was very fatigued. I had already, I threw, um, I threw a bunch of discs over lunch and I was uh, sprinting off. I was, you know, doing my typical speed golf thing at lunch to get a workout into. <laughs> The problem was when we were throwing at the field, I was so fatigued I couldn't keep my form condensed and I couldn't get my rotation in. So just by you know with bad habits when I was fatigued, I was coming up and releasing it a little bit higher angle and I was shanking it way off to the right. When I finally did get it down, I was throwing it a good four hundred uh, without too yeah, much trouble. Was, it was going out, in, but you had the same line. It was yeah. you're, you're throwing it a little left and uh, watching it come back to the right. And if you throw it high enough gives it enough time for the fade to actually kick in yep and uh once that fade kicks in with the thrasher uh that's when it really i I say fade so you're probably thinking it's cutting left and really what it's doing is it's tipping back and it's gliding forward and that's one of the big advantages to the thrasher you think a lot of these overstable discs or something that comes back hard will drop for you you know you'd i've i I throw a crush. When I throw that out, typically it'll go out and maybe drop. Um, crush goes a little bit forward, but the thrasher, it's turning to the right, so the fade will turn and go almost Essentially straight straightens forward. it out. So I, I'm i excited. I think I'm going to throw this a little more. Uh, I'm really just excited to see it. Uh, I The only question I have uh, with the something like the thrasher or any of these other longer distance um i question the general usefulness on the course because and i suppose it really depends if you're playing playing a lot of wide open type courses um i from what i understand some of our uh, southern disc golf courses in the united states they tend to be a little more open uh we have a lot of trees so we do even our what we call open courses there there's some significant trees uh so there's some questioning of the usefulness for for that type of course but you you always want that super maximum distance uh for like the toboggan Agreed. hole you know i actually think it'll be a little bit more useful you just won't want to bomb it as much uh, i found some success uh throwing it lightly so if if we've got a it can actually be used as a somewhat uh long distance control driver at about 350 so instead of trying to bomb it high if you put it at a low angle and throw it a little bit softer you can flip it up and you can actually control it decently now of course the problem is uh it's it's a fast disc so one if you hit a tree and bounce out you know you might be out of luck and two 
if if you're using it as a control driver, that fade you might be coming down and skipping a little bit because it is fast. So, so you'll do be careful that. with that. But one other thing that I really enjoyed about it, which I, I don't typically um, find too useful, is, is throwing sidearm. A lot of the you know fast drivers throw sidearm. You use a overstable, uh, flip it up and get a nice sidearm in. Cool thing about the Thrasher was. I could put it on a light sidearm, three to three fifty, and it was very controllable, which I did not expect at all. I yeah, thought I didn't it would be terrible. That. I thought you were going to turn that down, but no, that nope, that did it, fly I, pretty I well. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. The other thing that uh, I I always and I I didn't do it today, but I will before I uh, decide the final verdict for the Thrasher. But I always recommend throwing from a standstill. Uh, such an important. Oh, that'd probably be a good one for yeah, this disc. Yeah, you need you need to be able to do that because sometimes you need to cut some distance down. Sometimes you just need the control. Sometimes my run up is all over the place, and I need to drop down to a standstill. So I can't, from a standstill, throw my normal, you know, overstable driver. So something like this, I have a feeling this will throw really nice and straight for me from a standstill. So I'm That's excited. A good point. One last note. Yeah, that, that point four, don't let that scare you because this is a higher speed disc. So it's it's going to uh, fly. And I don't... Be ready for it to turn. It will turn a whole heck of a lot if you put all your power into right. it. But is, just drop it, drop it way down and you can get some good distance without a ton of effort. Just, you know, be, yeah. be ready for it. What... Uh, it, this is going to bring in Innova numbers or uh, dynamic disc. What what speed rim do you think this is? This, this oh, I I you know what I haven't looked it up yet. I, don't I haven't either. I was just wondering based on the, I, the feel. I'm going to it, guess it's about a 13 speed. You think it's 13? I, I was thinking it was about an 11. So yeah, I mean, maybe. Infinite Discs does a great job of uh, helping us rate that stuff for for some of the brands. I was going to say it's making it even brand agnostic infinite puts their own numbers yeah, on there and you know, they they're do. usually pretty good. So I'd, I'd, I'll, I'd I'll say that. I'm going to say 12 to 13, but the rim isn't as wide as a 13 or 14. So you might be right. Right. Yeah. We'll check that. Uh, the, Rodney, I have, what do you got? I have one other item to review. It's a different type of product. It's maybe in a different line. Uh, this happens to have the dynamic discs logo on it, but uh, it's made by, I think the company's called Sport Sack. I don't know. It's called the Sport Sack. And uh, I, when we were at Flip City, Tim pulls this thing out, and I've seen the you know various dirt bags and whatnot that uh, to to dry your hands. Well, I I generally don't have a problem with sweaty hands, sweaty palms. I don't have that issue, so I've never wanted one of these. But then uh, we're out there in the morning, and Tim's slapping this thing on his disc. <laughs> and what the heck? What are you doing? And uh, he's he's cleaning the dew off of his disc. What a great product! So I bought one. Uh, I don't. I I actually was going to review this, but uh, Country Disc Golf just put out a nice review on that, and we'll link to that in the show notes for you. But go ahead and go read that. But but my th- final thought here: I've been holding this thing in the entire show. My hands are incredibly dry right now. <laughs> but uh, this is a this is a good product. And going into the winter, I'm really interested to see if this helps because. These, you know, champion or elite Z discs. They, Any of that uh, translucent, yeah, translucent plastic we're dealing with. They tend to not clean off as well as you would think, uh, especially the snow and whatnot, but the rain, dew, all of that. But uh, I've used this uh, little sports sack, wipe the disc down, um, maybe tap it a couple times, and it really does help uh, get your grip back uh, with the dew. So I recommend that. Well, Chris, I think... That's the end of the line. I think so, and I also hope it's the end of these terrible punts. I do too. Uh, one last time, uh, we want to remind you to get out there and just throw. Just throw. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the Just Throw After Show. The After Show. After Show. I uh, I haven't heard if so, anybody actually listened to these, I, by the way. D- the only thing I wanted to mention on the After Show that I cared about was I actually, I, I recently found a Frisbee disc turnover driver. You know, we, we mentioned before that uh, uh, Frisbee is a brand, not a, you know, not a type of disc. This is actually Frisbee. 
turnover driver, and this thing throws me like my wolf. I think it's supposed to be a longer distance driver, but it it's so understable and it has no glide that this driver goes maybe 150 feet and that's it. Well, I I threw it. You handed it to me to, to throw, and I. I didn't know what it, I didn't know it was the their turnover disc, which is great because. Well, I mean, come on, look at it. You you knew you had right. to know it was going to turn over. I, I assumed. Uh, <laughs> that looks thing, like, that's probably the most beat up disc I've ever found. It honestly, it looks like a dog got a hold of it. But uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. Uh, I threw this thing out there. Threw it kind of high, but it drops down into a roller, <laughs> and I hit the basket 400 feet it. away with with a, this roller. So uh, I. I don't know. It was interesting. I didn't mean to throw a roller. That's the sad part. But I guess no one needed to know that. <laughs> I, I found it on uh, on River's Edge in the water, in the river. Uh, somebody must just not have cared enough to pull it out. Is there a name I, or number on no, it? Nothing? No, I wouldn't write my name or number on it either. <laughs> um, That's too bad. I'm yeah, sure. well, you know. I, it, with as beat up as it is, <laughs> I mean, this means something to someone. So yeah. if this is your disc... Did you lose a frisbee turnover disc, dark blue in the water? If you can tell us the distance between the two uh, dog teeth, <laughs> <laughs> we'll send it out. No, it's uh, it's very beat up. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure it's just a relic. Yep. Um, yep. Probably. I, I don't know if it's even going on the wall. Maybe we'll. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I don't know. That'll be fun. But uh, you are you planning on playing anytime soon? No, I think over lunch, that's about it. We've got, uh, got a busy weekend, and so I'll be taking my baskets out at lunch and throwing some more. Um, i got a review of the Magnet coming out, which is probably going to be out by the time this podcast is out, and right. uh, hopefully the ringer soon, and I don't know what you got coming up. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to work on a quick review of the Thrasher, just because I've enjoyed it so much, uh, and then i'm still reviewing some putters i was just handed a big project at work so i'm working through that unfortunately that has to take precedent over all this other fun stuff but uh i'll get you know what um uh, pro discus is sending us uh something i think they're sending us a sparta oh and uh obsidian uh i don't know if any of you out there have heard of the obsidian of obsidian discs i hadn't i didn't know anything about them and i found them i think they're the i think they're out of finland i want to say and uh did a little bit of research and they had uh putter called the spark that looked pretty neat um they actually told me it was designed for rain and wind which apparently they get a lot of in finland uh we also get a decent amount of that here in michigan so i think that's going to be a pretty neat putter to throw out here uh, I'm, I'm excited to try that out uh oh this has a zipper that's the thrasher <laughs> zipper top i don't know brand, if you heard brand that new mold like, zipper but uh, cool. no i i'm excited to uh throw that because we've got our wonderful season coming soon where uh, we still play, but yeah, you know, we have to trudge through the, the rain and snow. Um, I so think that's, that's I'm about hungry, it. So I'm, I'm starving. Uh, let's go eat. Let's shut this pod down and go eat some food. We, yeah. While we're eating, uh, why don't you guys just throw? <laughs>